Hello? Hello? All right. Sorry, now you got to hear me. All right. I trust that you heard the kids' spiel and everything. Uh, John already made reference that we are in a new year, and we are starting a new series at the beginning of this new year. And one great way for us to start off this new year is reading Scripture together. And so we are embarking on a journey of reading through First and Second Chronicles, which in the Hebrew Bible is one unified book. And actually, in the Hebrew Bible, it comes at the very end of their Hebrew Bible. And that is the last word of the Hebrew Bible. So if you think, uh, normally we read this about in the middle of the Old Testament. And if you've ever done like a read through the Bible in a year, you've read through 1 Samuel and you've read through, or you've read through 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and you get to Chronicles and you think, well, this is just a repeat of everything I just read, so I'll just skip it. But Chronicles has its own beauty It is the inspired Word of God, and so we are going to be digging into this text. When we come to a new year, we often pause at the beginning of the new year, and we look in the year that's just passed, and we look for things that went well, that were great, and we praise and thank God for those opportunities and the way that He's worked in our life. But we also maybe stop and look back and see what didn't go so well. Where are places that maybe we need to grow, maybe things that we need to work on in this new year? And we look to the year in the future and say, how can I make a change? How can I make a difference? How can this year, how can I walk more faithfully with God? Well, that's essentially what Chronicles is about. It is a a late book written after the exile when people are beginning to return to the promised land, return to Judah, return to a newly built second temple. And this chronicler, that's the guy that writes chronicles, it's not a Batman figure, um, although it sounds like that. When I hear chronicler, I think, wow, is that like the Joker or something like that? No, that's what uh, scholars call this anonymous writer. He looks into the past to see what went right and what went wrong in Israel's past in order that they may live differently, worship differently, act differently in the future. So that's what Chronicles is a little bit about. Uh, Let me just say a little bit of some of the resources that will be available during our series together. Hopefully you are learning and growing and, and reading this together. There is a reading schedule in the newsletter as well as the reading schedule comes out in the weekly announcements. You can also find it on our church website, uh, which is springcreekcob.org. Well, our computer's loading some graphics there. Uh, But you can go on the blog there and find more resources. We are covering nine chapters this morning, and there's not enough time to cover what's in nine chapters. Uh, Some weeks, it's usually between eight and ten chapters of reading a week. So hopefully you can do that. This is the worst of it. Nine chapters, David started reading, all these names. Just, if you didn't read that, just put your head down and, and just barrel through it. But there's other resources available on our website uh, to make your own study more fruitful. 
but to help us get an overview of what Chronicles is about. In a, in a few seconds, we're going to watch a video uh, that just gives us kind of a, a bird's eye view of what's happening in the book of Chronicles. At the end of the video, it completes a drawing, and that cartoon drawing either you got as you came in this morning or they're available on this table back here by the door. Maybe if you're reading through, just stick that in your Bible, and if you kind of get bogged down at some point and say, what's the main point? What do I need to take from this little snippet of a story? You can pull this sheet out and be reminded of what's the overview, what are the major themes that are happening in Chronicles. So let's take a look at this video. Can, can you start it again? Is the computer muted? Nothing? Okay, well, we're getting out early today. <laughs> uh, I'll post that on our website. Um, it's about six and a half minutes of uh, very good introductory material. I promise, it's really worth a watch. Uh, maybe we'll see what we can do next week. I guess I don't need to push back on the video at all. Um, the video suggests at one point um, that... David is the ideal king in Chronicles, uh, and David is certainly one of the top kings in Chronicles, but let me push back that David is not quite the ideal king in Chronicles. Um, the person in Chronicles doesn't include 
material on David that shows him in any kind of negative light. Uh, All the stories of David being uh, pursued by Saul, those are out of Chronicles. Uh, David's fall from grace with Bathsheba, that is not in Chronicles. Uh, Chronicles has a very positive view of David, not in order to cover anything up. The person writing Chronicles knows that you can go and read about Sam, from Samuel and Kings all about David's mess up. David is almost perfect in Chronicles, except David has too much blood on his hands. He's fought too much, and he's forbidden to build the temple because he has been a man of war. Instead, in Chronicles, Solomon is the perfect king. Solomon doesn't screw up in Chronicles. In fact, Solomon, whose name sounds like shalom, which is Hebrew for peace, wholeness, it is Solomon who is allowed to build the temple and to establish worship of God. Okay? So Solomon is kind of seen as the high point of these kings. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a couple weeks. But let me highlight some of the major themes that come out of this genealogy. These nine chapters of names, it's really hard, thick reading for us. But it's not just boring, extra material. The guy writing Chronicles is really setting up the whole story, introducing the themes that he's going to expand upon in the rest of the book. He's introducing those themes even in the genealogy. And so while we often get bogged down with these names, the person writing Chronicles is telling us some really important stuff. One of the themes that he's beginning to highlight is the importance of the line of Judah. And Judah was the line of the kings. This is the line that David comes from. And David and Solomon, and he traces very carefully the line of Judah because the kings are important. When the people return from exile in in Babylon, they need a sense of identity. They need to know who they are. And so the chronicler is highlighting this line of Judah. The other line that he's highlighting is the line of Levi, the Levites. These are the the priests. These are the people responsible for worship. And as the people return from exile and they return to this newly restored temple, they need to know how to worship God. In a lot of ways, they've probably forgotten what real worship looks like. And so the chronicler looks to the past, and he has an idealized version of what worship should look like. And so the chronicler begins to build this importance of the line of Levi, of the priests that are leading this worship. Another theme that begins to emerge in Chronicles is a growing understanding of violence and peace. We often think, well, the Old Testament is just violence, 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 and then suddenly Jesus is there, and we in the Church of the Brethren in in the peace tradition somehow have to make sense of all this. But really, the Bible is moving us along, moving us on a journey towards understanding Jesus. And so in Genesis, we have brother killing brother, and then the world just uh, devolves into this place of violence and evil. In 
God enters the story and begins to move people on a journey towards Jesus. And Chronicles is a huge step along that journey in understanding how we see violence. Now, there are a number of places in Chronicles where there is still violence. There are still people fighting battles. In fact, uh, even in this genealogy, there's uh, these tribes of Reuben, uh, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. Well, here we are back with the names. But these people want to move into this territory, and they seek God's will. They seek what God wants for them. And because they seek God, God blesses them, and they win this victory. Now, a couple verses later, they completely turn their back on God. They completely turn their back on Yahweh. They stop being faithful, and the result is exile. The result is the consequences of their unfaithfulness are fully realized, and they are kicked out of their homes. But here we have a story of Jabez. You all remember the story of Jabez? And a few years ago, uh, actually a number of years ago now, there was this book that came out called The Prayer of Jabez, which in Chronicles, it's two verses. So how you get a book out of that, I'm not quite sure. Um, But the book encouraged us that we are all supposed to pray Jabez's prayer. And we're supposed to claim things in the name of God, and God will give it to us. And actually, this helped lead to uh, the prosperity gospel, that if we just believe hard enough and we ask God for it and we have faith, we're we're going to get it. But I'm going to suggest that there's something very different happening. This is in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, the story of Jabez. It says, Jabez was honored more than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Wow, what a great way to name your kids. <laughs> yeah, I think every kid's name would be Jabez then. And it says, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from hurt and harm. And God granted what he asked. Jabez is named because I bore him in pain. And it's anticipated that Jabez is going to cause pain for others. There's a few other stories right after uh, Jabez, and those are in your notes. 1 Chronicles 4, 39 to 43, chapter 5, 9 to 10, and chapter 5, 18 to 22. Go back and read those short snippets of stories later. Read them again if you already read them this week. And here what you find in these other snippets of stories are people who are violently acquiring land. They're going out, some with the will of God and some of their own accord, and they are acquiring land through force and violence. But Jabez is more honored than his brothers. And so he prays and he asks, And he is faithful, and God grants it to him. 
this begins to set in motion how the author of Chronicles sees violence. That sometimes in Chronicles, there is a need to fight to defend yourself. And sometimes there is a need to seek God's will in a battle. But the most faithful receive peace, shalom in Chronicles. So as you begin reading, see how these themes crop up. See how they come up time and time again and see what the result of the most faithful kings in Chronicles is. All right? Another theme that kind of comes up in this genealogy. The chronicler highlights the line of Judah and Levi, and they certainly are center stage throughout this story. But some careful observation of the genealogy shows a lot of holes in the list that the chronicler provides. Now, either he goofs up and he doesn't follow the line uh, as they're presented in Samuel in Kings, either he makes a mistake or he leaves those open for a reason. He's trying to tell us something very different. I'm going to suggest that it's the second, that he's trying to tell us something. And what's he trying to tell us? Well, what emerges in Chronicles is the theme of faithfulness or unfaithfulness. Are you following God or are you not following God? And the chronicler opens up the people of God to be considered more than just the line of Judah, more than just the line of Levi, more than just being a genetic person of God, one of the 12 tribes of Israel, that this is opened up. God's blessing is opened up for all kinds of people. The chronicler invites the tribes of northern Israel back home. Come back and worship with us. Come back and have Passover with us. See, in Chronicles, this long lineage, this long family tree is similar to that found in Matthew. Matthew begins his gospel with this whole line of Jesus. But if you carefully read through that, there's some interesting people in the line of Jesus. There's people like Rahab, a, a, a prostitute from um, Jericho. I almost forgot it. She's a prostitute from Jericho who helps the people of Israel conquer the city, get in. She helps the spies. There's a woman, Ruth, who is an outsider, who has no reason to be in that line, and yet Matthew puts her in there. It's like Matthew's suggesting this story is open to anyone who's going to faithfully follow Jesus, who's going to faithfully follow God. And the person writing Chronicles is suggesting the same thing, that what matters here is faithfulness, faithfully following God. Faithfulness is seen in seeking after God. It's seen in genuine worship of God, worship in spirit and truth. And in Chronicles, faithfulness is blessed. And unfaithfulness has consequences, very real consequences. In fact, the chronicler would suggest that the ultimate result of their unfaithfulness is exile. 
this is how they got kicked out of the land in the first place, is because the kings and the priests and the people didn't remain faithful. And he looks into the past to see what went right and what went wrong in order to help people living in the present live differently. That they might move forward, that they might recapture that spirit of worship, that they might recapture that faithfulness to God. Hopefully you hear that this is not just a story that happened a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This is a story for us. This is a story that's meant to have an impact on the way you and I worship and the way you and I live in the present. See, in Chronicles, the writer is looking to the past in order to get a vision for the future. And ultimately, the chronicler is looking for a messianic king who will restore worship, who will come and make things right. And then Jesus comes to bring good news, not just to those who are genetically the people of God, but he opens it up for all of us. It's good news for everyone. That it's not being defined by your genealogy. It's not worrying about who your father is or who your mother is. I talked in the first service about, um, with the kids about playing the brethren name game. You all know the brethren name game? Some of us are really good at that game. And we say, well, my father and my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, and they built this church of the brethren. I'm not really great at that game. Uh, my dad was church of the brethren. And grandpa and grandma came to it very late. Uh, so I don't get to play that game too well. You know what the good news is? Is that in Chronicles, in Matthew, it doesn't matter. This is open. Following Jesus is open to anyone who's going to faithfully commit themselves to follow him. Faithfulness is what matters. So as we're reading through Chronicles, keep these couple points in mind. That Chronicles is pointing forward to a God who reigns ultimately through peace. Chronicles is pointing forward to people who worship God in spirit and in truth. Chronicles is pointing forward to children of God who are defined not by genetics, not by genealogy, not by family trees but by faithfulness. This is how we're marked as the people of God. Would you pray with me? God, we have entered a new year. And there is a lot of value at looking at the past to see where we've come from, to see how you've come through for us time and time again, to see what we've done well and to see where we need work to see where we've been faithful and also to see where our faithfulness has been lacking. God, we thank you that in Chronicles, faithfulness is is seen and modeled in seeking you, in trusting you, in worshiping you and living faithfully, living in tune with, with how you want us to live. 
That's what faithfulness is, God. And we thank you so much for this book that shows us that, that teaches us that. And so as we enter a new year and as we enter into the series, we ask that seeking you, trusting you, worshiping you, and living faithfully would be the attributes that mark us as individuals and as the Spring Creek Church. It's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.